This is episode number 97, Cultivating Radical Self-Compassion and Self-Love with Shelly Brown. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a brief announcement and give a shout out to our review of the week, which comes from Pazalt55. Oleg Lohid is truly onto something here inspirational, educational, and motivational. We all struggle with the challenge in life. This podcast that shares real-life stories of strong people who get punched in the stomach, shake it off, and get back selflessly are the stories of leadership that everyone needs to hear. Tune in and get inspired. Thank you so much for this wonderful review. If you want to be featured on our review of the week, go ahead and leave us one on iTunes. Also, I would like to make an announcement regarding one of our upcoming events in San Diego on November 16th called Flourishing Beyond Your Circumstances. A lot of people have been asking me questions as far as what are these events and how do you really describe them as far as the environment that we create within that particular time frame. And the best way that I could answer that is that these are experiences created by other community members from the Overcoming Odds tribe where you'll get a chance to hear stories from powerful speakers from all over the country, and be a part of breakout sessions intended to help you share your own story. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash events. Now, let's get back to our guest. This week's conversation features Shelly Brown. Picture this, you are stressed out at work, you can't elude it, so much so, you take it home. Sometimes it affects your outside life to the point that you don't seem to have one. It can get so bad you don't sleep. Every morning it begins again. And don't get me started about Sunday nights. You are stressed out. It sucks. The worst part? There seems to be no way out. Suspend your belief. This is Shelly Brown. She did it. She got out. She spent 25 years in the hospitality industry, climbing the ladder and making great money. All while stress slowly consumed her. Then after a particular difficult time, she decided it was enough, so she learned how to address her stress. Then she became better at her job and her life. Without further ado, please welcome Shelly Brown. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Outs podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was fortunate enough to meet through the power of social media, the power of LinkedIn to be exact. And her and I connected and we were also able to meet in person at an event that we had in Baltimore called The Courage to Be You. And so I wanted to have her on the show, her name is Shelly Brown, to really share her lived experience, her perspective, and also to celebrate her 56th birthday. Woohoo! Shelly, welcome to the show. (laughs) It is such an honor to be here, and it's such a gift to be here 
celebrating my birthday with you. And it was extraordinary to be able to meet you last Saturday at that event that just made my heart break, explode, expand, fill up, and ultimately just smile from the connections that were made. And, and it was it was amazing. So thank I, you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And it was, it was kind of funny, the, the show that I was on prior, I was trying to describe this whole event experience. And there's, you know, there's so many elements that I don't think, even think I can put into words. It's like, how do you put a person's transformation, person's change of perspective into something tangible where the other one, it's, it's one of those things where I think you have to feel it to really understand like, okay, this is what this person's going through. And this is how I'm able to, I think, relate to that particular experience. So I'm I'm for, I'm fortunate to have met you in person and the connection that we've developed since. Um, before we dive into you know this big theme of can I truly cultivate radical self compassion and self love? I think it makes sense for us to take a step back and help the listeners understand who you are. So I know it's a loaded question; it always is, but. How would you describe or how would you answer that question? Who are you? So I would answer that question, and thanks for asking. I would answer that question by saying I am unapologetically me and that I have been able to fully integrate from being what I felt shattered little pieces that were kind of held on by this very fragile thread that could break at any moment. And when we become integrated, for me, that means just fully aligned with my authenticity, fully integrated body, heart, mind, soul, spirit, all the pieces that felt so separate Mm -hmm. have fully come together. Do you feel like there was a time where you felt disconnected from the image that you have now? My whole life. My whole life. Maybe not so much as a very, very small girl, but for the majority of my life, and I would stay for about 40 years of it, 40 or more years of it. Mm. So how do you, you know, there's so many questions that come to mind as far as like, how do you ultimately get through it? And what was that moment? And I, I don't believe for me that there's that one moment where you have this like enlightening and everything changes. I think it's a combination of things that lead up to that particular instance where you make a decision to go left instead of right or vice versa. In, in your case, can you put us in a position where you might have remembered moments of having to make that decision as far as, okay, this is what I was. And even though I'm still a part of those experiences, but I don't want to be that moving forward. Yes, yes, for sure. So there's so many moments that I refuse to believe that I was lovable, that I was valuable, that I had anything to contribute in any substantive way to anyone. Mm -hmm. And most of that, I mean, obviously some of those messages come from the formative years in, in my family, but then you start believing it in your own mind. And so you continue telling yourself that 
you are not worthy and that you don't have value. And I remember the first time somebody suggested to me that other people loved me and what was their ulterior motive for telling me they loved me. And somehow I had to actually accept, wait a minute, that's kind of true. Nobody has any ulterior motive for telling me that they love me and for expressing that they love me. They're not really getting much in return. So, (laughs) you know, why would they be lying to me? So that was, that was a little bit of an aha moment. Um, And then I guess another time was really, I had, I had a pretty traumatic experience about nine years ago when my vertebrae collapsed. And I really truly felt like I was only what my body could do and what my body looked like. That has been a reoccurring theme in my life. And really realizing that we're much more than just our bodies through really the practice of learning that all this stuff that goes on in between our ears is not the truth. And that, and that came through mindfulness. That was more of that process of, of learning that we are not the thoughts in our own head. And that's, that's a practice that I continue today. Mm. What, what is our truth for those that may not be familiar with this concept of mindfulness that you spoke of. And I I was very fortunate to be exposed to forms of meditation and things like that years ago. So I understand that, you know, the things that happen here are not necessarily in alignment with from what your heart speaks. So how, how do you personally tap into that? And what are maybe some things as far as tiny practices and things like that, that people can do to tap into their own truth? Sure. So that is kind of a two-part answer. First of all, I think we spend so much of our lives for apologizing for the ways that we think we fall short. Mm. And when we can really stop doing that and extend that compassion to ourselves, then we are able to be able to flow that compassion outwards. And that's a really, it takes a long time to get to that place for some of it, mm-hmm. for some of us. For me, it, it definitely did. Um, so I, I kind of consider life a freight train to a rabbit hole, <laughs> a, a freight train to a roller coaster ride down a rabbit hole. And mindfulness teaches us how to get off the ride sooner. But that train is always there. And, and it's always sometimes moving. We're like, yeah. Sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get on that freight train. Cool. And then you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I did not realize that I could actually get off the train. And that is what I feel like mindfulness is. To me, it's not, I'm not sitting here with lotus flowers in this sort of enlightened place going, oh, life is so beautiful. Every solitary moment and full of joy. It actually really is. I really believe that. It's just really that mindfulness extends the time in the present. And if you think about it, for most of us, the present, there's nothing wrong. And so when we're distracted about grief and 
and regret and remorse about the past, or we're distracted by worry and fear of things in the future that we absolutely have no control over, or when we're numbing out, when we are choosing to numb out, whether it's going through social media or looking mm-hmm. in your Facebook feed or your Instagram, or you're drinking too much, or you're overeating, you're not present. And mindfulness, the practice, for me, it's the formal practice of the breathing meditation and also just in everyday life, practicing just being right here, right now. I'm talking to you, Oleg, and I'm sitting right here. I feel my body. Mm-hmm. I feel the contact points of, of my sit bones on the couch, and I'm fully engaged and present. And that is all that mindfulness is. And I feel that a lot of people get confused because a lot of people um, present this notion of mindfulness by presenting meditation and meditation is only part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting about what you just said because a couple of different reasons. So yesterday I had a a phone call with another individual and he had, um, he had gone through leukemia, I believe. And this was about 30 or so years ago. And one of the things that he had shared was that out of that experience, one of the things he learned was to just be fully here. Because I guess there was a point where one of the doctors came up to him and he said, hey, you only have this much to live. And I've noticed this amongst some of the other people that I've interviewed and had conversations with. When you're given that by another individual, as far as you have one day to live, you have 24 hours. So what are you going to do with that? And how that changes the individual's perspective. And it, it, it goes with them moving forward. So what I learned was that it's like being in the present, there's so much more to it. You know, it's just like what you described. Understanding who you are, feeling everything within your body, feeling how certain things are connected. It's a whole other experience. And I think because there is this other image, we misunderstand it sometimes, what it truly means to be in the present. I agree. Um, it's really about changing the experience. And you use that word just now a couple of times. You use the word experience. So there is grief. There is pain in life. There is sadness in life. And there are really difficult and challenging moments But when we add additional thoughts to those moments, for example, when my vertebrae collapsed on my, on my uh, compressing the nerves down my leg, Mm -hmm. yes, that is real pain. When your nerves are compressed by bone on bone, it's, it's painful, but it's the thoughts that we add onto it. Oh my God, this pain is never going to go away oh my gosh, I can never run again. Oh my gosh, we foreverize things Mm -hmm. and we make more pain. We change the experience and make that experience so much worse instead of just allowing things to be as they are. Okay, I'm in pain, but if you're curious and you lean into that pain, it changes. There's an impermanence. There's ebbs and flows and things change. But when you continually add on 
so many thoughts to an experience, it makes that experience a hundred times worse when, especially when it's a bad experience. So it's not like, like it takes things away. It just really changes, changes the experience when we can just allow and be in it. Mm -hmm. You speak a lot about change and just the power of our thoughts. Um, when we relate this back to the the theme and the topic that we we're talking about self-love and compassion do you feel like you're at a point of your life of your life where I mean, we're going to use this cliche example but when you look when you can look at yourself in the mirror and say i love you do you feel like you're at that stage i i absolutely am and it's so powerful it is such a powerful feeling to be able to look in the mirror and to be able to say that especially coming from a life spent so many years in such self-loathing and hatred and I know I'm not unique in this I know that there are many people who cannot stand the sight of themselves, who can't even look in the mirror without feeling just horrible, horrible, cruel thoughts about themselves. And it is so, it's so tragic to think that so many of us can spend so many years in such horrible, horrible self-hatred. I know none of us have ever really done anything to deserve ourselves, to treat ourselves that way. And I've shared with you that in my case, it was so extreme, the pain of feeling so much self-hatred that I would literally dig my nails into my skin to make myself bleed because I didn't know what to do with this anger and shame I felt about how, what a poor excuse of a human being I was. Mm -hmm. And with bulimia, I mean, really, bulimia is an act of rage. It's an act of a violent act of self-hatred, of not knowing what to do with all this rage and all this anger and all this self-loathing. And it's self-perpetuating because the more you do it, the more shame you feel, mm -hmm. the more you hate yourself, the more you do it, the more shame you feel, the more you hate yourself. And, you know, I lived that trajectory for so many years of my life. And then I transitioned into being a long distance runner. And actually there was a big piece of time where my self-hatred manifested in a lot of promiscuity. Like, okay, sure. I'm just worth that. That's all I'm worth. I don't care about this body. I don't care about the most sacred thing that you could give to somebody else. Just take it. I don't give a crap. I don't care. And then the semblance of really caring about myself and running marathons was really more about look at me, look at me, and trying to get that affirmation and accolades from the outside because I couldn't give it to myself. Mm. It's a really powerful thing what you just said as far as, you know, having lived through that experience, but also developing a different lens throughout life that you are more than that and that you are worthy 
you are unique. I think that's one of the things I, I know for me as well, I can relate to certain degrees of what you shared. You know, when you have a challenging upbringing, it, just based on the circumstances you were born into or circumstances that you might have created for yourself, it does become, a, it's a challenge to get out of that. It's a huge challenge. But ultimately, I think what's important about what you just mentioned is that you have a choice. You have a choice in, in whether or not you want to get out of it. And I think there's something within us as human beings. And I, want, I truly believe that all of us possess that. Is that once we really want something, we find a way. So true. So true. And when we stop blaming other people for our circumstances, I don't know anybody who didn't have a, a season in their life or a person in their life or a storm in their life that, that made them feel really badly. And when we stop blaming and when we stop looking for people to give us what we can give ourselves because they're completely incapable of giving that to us. Yeah. I know people who go through their lives that keep wanting something. They keep wanting something from somebody who just can't give it to them. Mm. And ultimately we have to be able to find a way to give it to ourselves. And it's within our power. It is our choice. It really, really is a choice to really care and love ourselves and give ourselves what we need. Mm -hmm. And when we start doing that, it's amazing what we draw into our lives. And we do end up drawing other people into our lives to open up their hearts to mm -hmm. us and who love us in a way that the people that we've been seeking it from never could. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a big challenge, especially in relationships. I think sometimes I've noticed myself staying in relationships because of the comfort, because of the things that the other person can provide. And to a degree, I know for a fact that I became dependent on the other person for even decision-making. I noticed myself that I couldn't even make decisions because I yes. needed the person's permission. There's so many of us who spend our lives doing that and... I, that was a big part of my transformation is I got involved in a relationship with somebody because I was seeking that love. I was seeking that like knight in shining armor to save and rescue me as a lot of, as a lot of women do there. They think that somebody else is going to be the one that's going to love them to cover the love that for both of you, you know, mm -hmm. for, for yourself and that other person. And you know, unfortunately, the person that I thought that I was going to have that with was on his own journey. And that journey took him into the depths of a horrible drug addiction. And it took me into the depths of this really horrible codependence where I was expecting this person to show up for me in a certain way when he couldn't even show up for himself. And it was both of us drowning in a tsunami and I decided I wanted to swim and I had to let go. And that was the hardest thing I ever did was, was to let go and, and decide not to drown. We, we, I think we're always deciding 
not to drown, right? So I mean, drown. That, yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. I think that I spent a lot of my life like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And also spending my life thinking, this is going to kill me. This is going to kill me. This is going to kill me. And I never have to feel that way again. It's amazing. Shelly, final thought for today's episode, and that is who or what are you grateful for today? That is a loaded question. I'm the first answer that I am grateful for is the mindfulness based stress reduction program that I went to several years ago that took me from this fight or flight reactivity, this, this fight or flight syndrome that I felt like I couldn't control and helped invite me to explore the practice of mindfulness because it's been the most transformative thing in my life. And I'm grateful for all the ways that I get to share this with other people and invite them to explore this practice to help them transform their own lives. Mm -hmm. How do people find you and how can people learn more about your practice and the things that you just mentioned? Thanks, Oleg. So they can find me at roimindfulness.com. I'm happy to have anybody reach out to me and I'm happy to do a consultation and happy to provide resources and share what my practice looks like. And also I'm on very active on LinkedIn and also at ROI mindfulness on Instagram. And I do corporate workshops as well so that people in work situations where we spend so much time, hmm. I'm so happy when organizations provide the space to allow people to uh, practice this in the workplace. I think it's really important. And things like you are doing that give us a platform to be able to share our hearts, minds, and space with others. Mm. I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate you being a guest. And you know, for those who don't know Shelly for who she is, I admire her for many different reasons. I think the first one is her ability to stay true to who she is. And regardless of what the circumstance may be, with the mindset that she has now, you know, she, she's true, she's real. And I remember just w the first time you and I met just this flow of energy coming from you. And, you know, it's a, it's a rare thing to see that within people. But just like you said, we can influence one another through small actions. So if you can fully be there, then you almost give, you create the space for other people to be them. And I think that's the biggest thing we can pass on to people is that if I'm here for you, it's okay to be you. You don't have to hide. You don't have to wear a mask anymore. And so I appreciate you being that person. It's an honor and a privilege. And I'm so happy to be 56 years old because I honestly didn't think I would make it. And I'm so happy and joyful. And I appreciate what you are doing, Oleg. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our monthly newsletter 
so you can receive all of the latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.